Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Your pastor and his fine wife. I appreciate Bishop and Sister Bishop. I appreciate all of y'all. I've done been greeted at the door before I even got in the sanctuary with a Diet Dr. Pepper. And it was all I could do not to break that puppy open and get a swig of it. But I appreciate this church. I appreciate what you stand for. I've got some other people here that I love dearly. And I got a couple that I wouldn't give you 15 cents for. I can't, I'm not saying that to the Indiana District Camp Coordinator. But he knows I'm talking about him. I've got friends here tonight that, that are, I'm not going to say lifelong because I didn't come into apostolic until I was 20 years old. But I've got friends here tonight that are lifetime apostolic friends. And I'm thankful for that. So let me, let me get started tonight. Uh, I'm going to try. All I can say, and my wife is, boy, isn't she good looking? You better shake your head, yeah. Uh, She makes me look good, or she makes me look better, whatever the term is. My wife is going to tell you that this morning at Greater Life Madisonville, it was rough. It was really rough. It was, let me, re, it was pastoral rough. And uh, we had a church dinner today, and we sure didn't need one after that sermon, that's for sure. And would you believe that everybody stayed for the, everybody stayed for the dinner? But I want you to know that I'm not going to preach tonight what I preached this morning, just so you know. If you will go with me to the book of Psalms, I'm going to read some scriptures that you know well, and I'm going to read some scriptures that you have heard preached before on probably many occasions. Here's the deal. You've never heard me preaching, and I just might do it a little different than what you've heard in the past. Psalms, the 20th chapter, I'm going to start reading in the first verse. I extend my hearty thanks to each and every one of you for being our friends. I know you don't, I I know you're not thinking this and you're thinking I'm making this up, but I'm telling you, pastors don't have very many friends. They really don't. So I'm thinking, I need to come here more often. That's what I'm thinking. Psalms, somebody said, come on. And pastor said, don't say that. Psalms 20 and 1, the Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifice, Selah. 
Grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will, I'm so glad. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. I'm not ready to preach yet, but I do want to say you're not going to get in any trouble that God can't, you, can't get you out of. And Satan's not going to put you through any kind of trial or temptation that God's not bigger than. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They, our enemies, they are brought down and fallen. But we, the church, we are risen and we stand upright. You ever, you, have you ever noticed that daddy that's bringing that baby to church for the first time? There ain't no way that, that guy can button his coat. They are brought down and fallen. We are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord, let the king hear us when we call. I don't see a clock. In, oh, yeah, I do see a clock. I don't see a clock in here. But I'm not necessarily going to preach a long time unless you make me. No, no. You don't, you're not picking up what I'm putting down. The way you make me preach a long time is by sitting there like an odd on a log. So if somebody don't say, don't you dare do it, because I'm not preaching yet. But if somebody doesn't say amen while I'm preaching, if you make it hard on me, I'm going to make it hard on you. You make it hard on me, I'm going to preach for an hour and a half, maybe two hours. So I want to preach tonight just for a few moments of time on this thought, this idea it's time to remember. It's time to remember. Pastor, pray. Ask the Lord to help us. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you sure are looking good. I know that's going to be hard for some of y'all. You can be seated tonight. God bless you. Thank you, Indiana District Camp Coordinator. Thank you for your help. One of the great things that the Lord has given to us, that has given to mankind, is that we have a memory. Um, I, I, we have the ability to recall past experiences. I still remember the first time on the baseball diamond when he threw one right down the middle and I knocked that puppy out of the park. I can tell that story as if it happened on my way here, but the reality of it is it was a long time ago. I still remember the first time 
I played, I, I played linebacker. I still remember the first time, they wouldn't let me run the ball because I couldn't, but I remember the first time that I reached down and I grabbed that fumble and I stumbled over the goal line and they shot off the whatever they were shooting and the stands all got wild and crazy. I was just trying to breathe. That's all I was trying to do. But I still remember that. I'm talking high school, y'all. I graduated in 75. I, didn't, I probably didn't start football until my sophomore year, so we're, we're looking at 72 or 70, 73, something like that. But I just told you that story as if it happened last week. And that's because me scoring that touchdown, the only, the only touchdown I ever scored in my play, Henderson County playing career. But I told that story because it was so indelibly in, marked into my brain. We have a memory. We have the ability to call past experiences. And some of those experiences that we can recall is not necessary all pleasant memories. I've, 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 I've got some stories that I don't want to tell. But these events were so important that they have burned into our they have been burned into our memory banks forever, never to be removed except by death or old age. My dad, love him to death. He can't tell you what in the world he had for breakfast yesterday morning but he can tell you where he was at and who was with him December the 17th, uh, 1996. So I know there's a way of forgetting, but we are living in a chaotic world. We're, we're, we're living in an hour that has never been known to man before, and we was making that same statement 20 years ago. 20 years ago, we was talking about, oh, it's never been this bad before. And now here we are 20 years later, and we're saying, oh, it's never been this bad before. What are we going to do 20 years from tonight? So, I remember things that happened, and some of those things I learned from. Some of those things I learned not to never do again. My dad wouldn't let me go to a wrestling match. I undid that water hose about halfway. And I took one of them darts, you know, the darts that you throw at the round board. I took one of them darts and I, about six nice real good holes in that brand new rubber garden hose. And then I rolled it back up. Now, you have to understand, and I know what somebody's going to say, but, but I'm an only child. If you, if you have an only child, you're not, you're not really a parent. You just think you are. I mean, if, you're, if, if you've only got one child, there's no argument over who did it. You walk in the room, and you know who did it. There's, it's not like there was a long lost brother or daughter that can't. No, no, no. You know who did it. So I didn't think that all the way through when I. And my dad, he came to me and he said, You know anything about this? Anything about what? 
He turned the water hose on. And pretty obvious what he was talking about. My dad, this is way over y'all's head. My dad whooped me in the backyard with the belt. And it wasn't one of those things of, now lay me down to sleep. And so he whipped me. I cried. I went in the house, and my dad got to thinking about what I had done to that brand-new garden hose. I'm telling you, he come and got me the second time. Now, that ain't right. You pay one time and one time only. You don't pay multiple times. But we are living in an hour where things are upside down. And, and we're living in a time, you know, the Bible talks in one place about everything that can be shaken, it's being shaken. We're living in that hour. We're living in that time. And there would some who would say, I had this conversation with another pastor just today. There's some that would say that people's interest is kind of falling by the wayside when it comes to church. I don't know if you ever feel this way, but let me fix you just a little bit. There's not a pastor anywhere that's happy about Wednesday night Bible study. Just because you come to church on Sunday and you come to church on Sunday night, for a lot of folks, not here, y'all. I'm talking about, I ain't talking about Madisonville, just in case they're watching. They know I'm here tonight. Some folks don't come to church on Wednesday night because, oh, it's just Bible study and, and you know, they're not going to miss me. I'm going to tell you this, and I'm not talking about because I'm a pastor. If the doors are open, I'm going to be there unless there is something that just I can't get over. So there are churches today that are struggling financially. There's churches today that are struggling attendance-wise. And so there's going to be some... Well, I, I'm not homeless, so I can't use that word. There's going to be some unwise people, dipsticks, that's going to end up saying, well, the church is losing its power. And somebody is going to say that no one's living it anymore. And somebody's going to end up saying that we're living in bondage. You let me tell you this, ladies and gentlemen. The church is still powerful. I don't care if there's six here or 106 or 606. God has not lost his power. He's not lost his ability. And he's still giving it away freely to anybody that wants it. You can talk about how that there's folks that's not living it anymore. You let me tell you, for every church that's letting down, there's five more that's digging in. Amen. If you want to see the negative, it's out there. But if God be for you, who can be against you? We are more than conquerors through him that first loved us. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver him out of them all. It's time for you and I to remember who we are. So, isn't this a nice-looking handkerchief? Y'all like it? Your pastor's wife got it for me. God love her. It's time to remember that God's never lost a battle. There are those who are trusting into their earthly knowledge and possessions. But one blood clot 
can change all of that. I heard y'all mention prayer for Brother Steve Warman. Very, very, very good friend of mine. He got up yesterday morning with a full day schedule. He got up yesterday morning and all was well. But a little aneurysm. Who knows how long it's been there. May have been there a long time. May have just, But that thing broke loose. And now I think he's, well, he's doing better. But for several hours he was hovering next to death. I got a friend of mine tonight that is that is he's a he's not a pastor but I've got a friend of mine tonight that that is facing open heart surgery. Let me tell you something folks, you don't know what's going on inside of you right now. You don't you you don't know what what's going on. Let me tell you, one blood clot can change your life. One day of downsizing and you can lose your job security. Every one of the possessions that you have tonight is either going to be sold or given away someday. Maybe not tonight, but all those things that you hold so dear, your kids aren't going to hold it dear. You know what your kids is going to want to do? How much can I get for this? So we've got our, we've got all of our possessions. And we hold them dear. And my wife and I, we're saving for retirement. And we've got at least $15 in that account. You know what's going to happen one of these days is that if we don't hurry up and spend that $15, my daughter's going to spend it. So you, what the point that I'm trying to make to you simply is this. Your possessions can be gone just like that. Your health can be destroyed just like that. The only hope that you and I have tonight, today, is the hope that we find in the Lord and the hope that we find in His power. And it's time for the church to remember the name of the Lord our God and just who we are. I'm not an orphan tonight. I'm a child of the King. I'm a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You've got the blessings. You've got the promise of God's provisions. I, 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 I just don't know if I can make it. There's a Greek word for that. Hogwash. Or maybe that's, that may be Hebrew. I get so tired of these long faces, and I'm not seeing any here tonight, so don't think I'm talking about you. I got to do good tonight because Indiana District camp coordinator is here you just said something to me and it wasn't good I could tell by that look on your face <clears throat> did I not tell you that it was coming okay just so you know we don't know what tomorrow holds I know what I want tomorrow to hold I want to get up eat a little breakfast have a little fun do what I got to do at the church, do what I got to do in other places, come home, have a good easy supper, have a good night. That, that's what I'm looking for. But if I'm not careful, I will allow all of the negative. Come on. Come on. Try it. 
whether you want to admit it or not, there's plenty of negative going around. But when I begin to remember who I am, yes, Tony Ray Frederick, 300 States Coach Road, Madisonville, Kentucky, 42431, yes, 270-619-3888, yes. But forget all of that. I have been bought with the price. The song they were singing a while ago, the Lord loved me enough that he come into my bondage. He came into my difficulties. He came into my heartaches. He came into my struggles. He grabbed me by the arm, by the shoulders, and he drugged me out of all of that. That's who I am tonight. That's who I am. We, it's time for us to remember. So I want to share with you. What time did I start? Oh, time. Okay. I want to share with you why these scriptures was written. Seventh verse. Some trust in chariots. Some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. It's time for us to remember the name of the Lord our God. So Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, he dies. And Hanan, his son, is elected to be king of the Ammonites. Nahash, well, David heard that Hanan had died. And he said, according to the scripture, he said, I'm going to show kindness to them. I don't know what that means. I do know this, that he sent, David sent five of his loyal, trusted servants. And to some degree, what he said was, you go down to the land of the Ammonites and whatever you need to do to help them through this time of grief, that's what I want you to do. Take out the garbage, fix supper, mow the grass, whatever. Just go down there and be a blessing because I can't go. I'm here taking care of Israel, but you're going to go in my stead. So they, those five servants go down there, and they make themselves known to Hanan and said, hey, we're just here to help. We're just, we're just in service of the king. Whatever you need for us to do, that's what we're going to do. And some of those young whippersnappers said, you know what? David hasn't sent those five guys down here to be a help. He has sent those five servants down here to see where we're weak at and where we're strong at, and they're going to go back home, and they're going to tell, he, they're going to tell David, and David's going to come down here and overthrow us. So this young newbie king, you know what he did? He called those five servants in, and he cut their beard half off. Well, that, you know, that doesn't sound so bad to me until you understand what that meant in that daytime, in that time of life. If you had half a beard, that meant you was a slave. It was the mark of a slave. And i got to be honest with you, these little Israeli boys, they took their freedom pretty serious. I don't know, but I believe I could have got past the half beard being cut off. But the next thing that Hanan did is he cut their clothes from the waist down off of them. Now how do I say this 
after I get out of the pulpit. How do I say this? Clothes is my friend. Because they are covering up a multitude of ugly. I, 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 I like my clothes. Now let me ask you a question, and I'm not trying to be rude tonight. But if you was in your home and somebody just walked in, and if you, to some degree, was in an unclothed uh, position, what would you do? You'd run for the bedroom. You'd run to the bathroom. You'd be telling Sally, hey, get me something to put on while they're here. Y'all are looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. They cut these five servants' beard half off, cut their clothes half off of them, and threw them out in the street. I can imagine they were trying to cover their nakedness and, and trying to get some place of, of coverability where they could cover themselves. Well, here's the thing. Old David heard about it. You know what he did? He got his men together and they went down to the land, uh, uh, they went down to Jericho where these five servants ended up. He found those five servants. Come here. And he said, look, you tarry here until your beards grow back out. Here's some money. Get yourself to Walmart. Get you some clothes to put on. Cover yourself. Everything. But listen, boys. When I leave you, when I walk out of this tent, I'm not going home. I'm not going back to Jerusalem. I'm going down to the land of the Ammonites. Because when... Hanan cut your beard half off. It was just like he cut my beard half off. When Hanan, you were my ambassadors. You was my representatives. And when Hanan cut your clothes half off and threw you out naked in the street, it was just like he was doing the very same thing to the king of Israel. Now you tarry here until your beard grows back out, but you know what I'm going to do? We're going to go down to the land of the Ammonites and it's not going to be pretty because you was my representatives. You were my ambassadors. What does 1 Corinthians tell us? What? Know you not? Come on. We, that it tells us, Paul lets us know that we are ambassadors of the king. And King David was saying, hey, they're not going to get away with what they did to you. We're going to go down there and fix things. And I'm here to let you know this, this evening, amen, that Satan's not going to get away with all the turmoil. He's not going to get away with all the trouble. He's not going to get away with all the grief that he is bringing you. Because when he does it to us, it's like he's trying to do it to the king and the king said the king has let me know that he's on my side and he's going to fight my battles and that he's never going to leave me and he's never going to forsake me he's going to go with me always even to the end of the world God is not going to allow the devil to get away with what he's doing to you so Hear me tonight. The Bible says, and this is scripture, look it up, not now, later. The Bible says that when Hanan saw that he stunk in the nostrils of David, quote, unquote, 
he knew that he was no match for David and his men. He knew there was no way that, that the Ammonites could fight the Israelis and even come close. That's still the same today. I don't know if y'all know that or not. So Hanan calls the Syrian army, whatever the general's name was. And he said, look, I got to fight a fight with David and his army. I can't do it. Would you come and fight? And they said, for a price, sure. They agreed upon that price. Here comes the Syrian army. So David sends out his scout. And the scout comes back and says, you've lied to us. You said we're going to fight the Ammonites. We are. I don't know if y'all understand this because y'all are way too cultured. Y'all are, y'all are way, y'all live up here in Indiana, uh, Illinois and Indiana. So y'all, not, y'all might not understand this. But David said, we're going to the Ammonites and we're going to throw down on them. You got that? You know about that? Throw down? Well, I told you I was home. <sighs> And the scout said, you're not picking up on what I'm trying to say. I just came from over there. And that's not the Ammonites. That's the Syrians. The Syrians, they've got 700 chariots. And they've got 7,000 footmen. And they've got 40,000 horsemen. We came out here to defend our brothers but we thought we was going to fight the Ammonites. But now we are, you're telling me that we're going to have to fight the most powerful army of the day. Look at our guys. Half their quivers are empty. Look at our guys. Our shields are old and rusty and bent and dented. We don't have one horse. Now, let me, let me stop right there. It's a sin to ride a horse. I was looking for somebody to bow up. I know I'm not pastor. He's pastor. And if I preach something that's contradictory to what he preaches, he's right, I'm wrong, except the horse thing. I've been on a horse three times. I fell off all three times. The next horse that I hope to be riding or that I'm going to be riding is a white horse. I'm not getting on no, no. Listen, Isaiah 28 and 1, Woeth unto them that goeth down to Egypt and setteth on horses. If it's wrong in Egypt, it's wrong in Indiana and Kentucky. That's all I got to say. They've got 40,000 horsemen. If they've got 40,000 horsemen, they've got 40,000 horses. And if you study it, these horsemen can ride their horses at a full gallop and draw their bow and arrow, shoot, and hit. Because I could shoot. It doesn't mean I'd hit. They can shoot and hit. What the, David, you've brought us out here to die in the wilderness. We can't overcome the Syrian army. They are the baddest of the bad. We have no chance. And David said, boys, gather around. 
get 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 in close because I sung a while ago and just about lost my voice. So so all y'all get in close. They all scooted in real close, and you know what he said? Some trust in chariots, and some trust in horses. But we, we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And then he got prophetic. And he said, they are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and we stand upright. Now, Bishop, I can't prove that this happened. But there's nobody in this room that can prove it didn't happen. I'm the preacher, and when you're the preacher, if you want to preach it different, have at it. But David said, maybe, David said, hey, how many remembers the Philistines? One of the guys in the back raised his hand. And David said, have you got a praise report? Yeah, I do. I was in that battle with the Philistines and it looked like we wasn't going to make it out. But some way, somehow, not only did we make it out, we ended up whooping them and whooping them bad. And David said, well, what about the, those, those Amalekites? Another guy raised his hand. He said, oh, king, live forever. I was in that battle. I know how bad that battle was. It looked like the Amalekites was going to mess with us and destroy us. It looked like we wasn't going to make it. But we remembered the name of the Lord our God and all of a sudden the Amalekites was running. Another guy said, hey, I remember them, those Moabites. Remember those Moabites had come and they said they was going to take all of our wheat or maybe, yeah, all of our wheat and they was going to take our firstborn. Remember when they came and said, we're taking your wheat, we're taking your firstborn and you can't do anything about it, but we all got together and the Lord helped us and when the battle was over, we still had our wheat and we still had our firstborns. I just want you to know that when it looks its worst, all you've got to do is remember. Remember the name of the Lord our God. Sure. But all you've got to do is remember this time last year you was facing something that you didn't have a clue how you was going to get through, but you did. This time five years ago, you didn't have the money and you didn't know how in the world it was going to happen. But five years later, you're doing just fine and all is well. You've got to remember that he's not going to lead you out to forsake you. He brought you out of Egypt and he brought you out of bondage so that he could show you his power and his ability and it's time for you to remember. So, remember past battles past victories and it will give you courage to defeat, the, to defeat the foe that you're battling tonight now years ago I was preaching a revival for brother Joe David Sizemore in Cincinnati he took me upstairs to the third floor anybody remember the old uh, farmhouse well in that third floor up there that's where his office was and he said I don't normally let people come in my third office, but come on. 
So I went up there with him, and um, he called it the prophet chambers because he had an office over there in the church, but that was the pretty office, the office where he did business and where he got his stuff was in the prophet chambers. So he unlocked the door, and he took a step back, and he said the light is on the right. So I stepped in, I found the light switch, and I turned it on. And there was a great big stuffed coyote showing his teeth right there. I jumped back, and I think I screamed a little. I jumped back, and Bishop said, you know, I never get tired of doing that. That, 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 never, that never gets old to me. He took me in there, and he showed me some stuff that was in his office and I saw a book and then and I don't remember exactly what the name of the book was but I took the book to his nice office and I had I had a particular <clears throat> chapter um, mimeographed copied whatever you want to call it and it was a chapter on biblical military strategies and I read in that you know he only bought his books from England if they wasn't an 18 something he didn't fool with them he bought his books from England had them shipped over here and it, it had to be like 1899 or later or he wouldn't buy them in this book it had a chapter <laughs> I just noticed I'm being timed I didn't realize that. I'm being time. I got to hurry up. I got to, wait a minute. Let me see. I'm trying, yeah. I don't know that I've ever been timed. Of all the places I've preached, I don't know that I've ever. I don't know that I've ever been timed, and the clock is ticking as I'm, it's, okay. Ancient or biblical military strategies. Look in your book. Look in your Bible. It's there. What they would do is one army would get on this mountain or hill and the other army would get on this hill and then when this army saw this army advancing down, that was a sign for them to advance. And when they got in the valley, that's where the battle would start. And... This, is, this caught my attention when I read that when the battle started, there became a literal race to the valley. You wanted to get off that uneven territory because you can just fight better on flat land. And if you get to the flat land quicker than the other guys, then you want to pursue across the valley and catch them on uneven. It was just a little bit of a military warfare advantage. But those words, there became a literal race to the valley. It grabbed me. I don't like the valley. Maybe. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.